0: All right, we'll take your Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Thank you, choir. Tremendous, tremendous job. I tell you, God has blessed us with so many wonderful, talented young people and older people and uh, such a handsome preacher. (laughs) But we are blessed, amen. My God is good all the time, Amen. Amen. I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Dunlop. Brother Dunlop and I, we go way back in the days of Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, and those were some exciting days and some days of trials. But uh, praise the Lord for the faithfulness of uh, those that have been training up young people, and I know that God has burdened Brother Dunlop's heart, and maybe he'll say a little word or two about the Bible college that they have there, Pacific Baptists, and and the young people that are going out preaching the gospel. We certainly need that here in California. As we look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, we see in verse number 9 that the end of our faith is the salvation of our souls. But we also understand as we go over to chapter 4 and verse number 19, uh, that uh, we are going to run across trials and tribulations. The Bible says in verse number 19 of chapter 4, Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in will doing as unto a faithful Creator. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, bless our time together. Amen. This morning we talked about the importance of and the value of understanding the soul and how the soul needs to be able to relate with God. But we explained to you that when a person is born into this world, he has not been born from above. He had been born of the water, but he has not been born of the Spirit. And as a result of not being born of the Spirit, he has no ability to relate with God. He has no understanding of God's Word. He is not discerning of those things. As we showed you this morning over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, that the person who is not saved has no ability... To relate with God. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear <clears throat> that he cannot understand, he cannot discern, because the Spirit of God is not there. We also understand, according to what we saw there in Hebrews chapter 4, and verse number 12, uh, that the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, is able to give understanding and direction uh, to uh, the spirit, and to the soul, and to the body, but it's only able to do that for the saved, because the lost are not able to relate with God, they can't understand the Word of God, they're not able to discern, the natural mind is not able to uh, in any way comprehend the important truths of God's Word. We talked about how Satan tries to convince lost people that they are saved. And the evidence of a person that is not saved is that he has the inability to relate with God. If he cannot relate with God, he cannot understand the deeper things of God's word. There are things that we cannot reason out, but we believe. But the natural man, he's not going to be able to reason that out. He's not going to be able to accept it by faith. He's always going to question and doubt it. He can't understand the deity of God, how that God could be the spirit and how God could be the only begotten son and how they three are all one and how they work in different capacities but they're always working together in the unity of one. While Jesus Christ is on the cross dying for our sins, he's praying to the Heavenly Father. The Spirit is in heaven waiting to descend upon the earth and take residence in the hearts of those that put their faith in Christ. And all three of those events, we understand according to the Word of God, is all through one person. And yet... The natural mind's not going to be able to understand that nor receive that. But though we can't explain it, we can understand that it is true because God has given that truth in our hearts and in our minds. We talked about this morning how that since we are able to relate with God, the moment that we are saved because we are born above that the Lord Jesus Christ has heaped the fullness of his grace and his mercy within our hearts. As we looked over at John chapter 1 in verse number 16. With that being understood, we talked about the need for us to live a life that is faithful before a lost world. Because God has left us here with one purpose in mind, and that is to reach the lost. Uh, He desires to take us home, and in time he will bring us home. But until he does, we've been left here to do a job. A job that the angels would love to do, but God in his wisdom saw that it works better for men to reach men rather than angels to reach men. And so God has left us here with the great mandate. Our whole purpose in meeting, our whole purpose in worshiping, our whole purpose in being here is that through our lives we may be able to reach others. And that is the main thing. And once we lose sight of that, and then we just simply become a community club because we're not doing what God would have us to do. And we have a responsibility to get that job done by abiding in the one that can do it through us. And so the Lord Jesus Christ made it very clear as we see in John's Gospel chapter 15 that if we abide in him and he abides in us and then we are going to bear fruit. God is going to manifest himself unto us and the world is going to see the light of God through us. And so this morning we, we touched on those things. We talked about how we can prepare our souls to reach others. As we looked at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18 and 19, for he says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ came into this world with one purpose in mind, and that was to redeem us. He was born to be the savior of the world. He lived his life to that end. He went to the cross, for that was his mission. And there upon the cross of Calvary, God's love was exemplified. And there you and I have an understanding and we have a vision of God's love. As we take our mind's eye and we go into the past and we look to that place called Calvary, and there we see through our mind's eye, as it was recorded in the Word of God, God's love toward us. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ there on that cross was dying for us. He was dying for us that we may have life. He was dying for us that we may stand before God and be justified. And so the Lord Jesus Christ there upon that cross through his precious blood was providing the means for us to enter into the presence of God. It's called redemption. We were lost to sin, but he came to redeem us from that slave market of sin. To buy us out of sin and to bring us back into a relationship with God. But in order for us to be saved, we must believe that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for us. That Jesus Christ came into this world to die not for the righteous, not for the good, but for the sinner. For those that were at enmity with God. The enemies of God. The ones that were castigating all kinds of wicked things at Him. The ones that were driving the spikes into his hands. The ones that were pressing that crown of thorns upon his brow. The ones that took the whip and beat him with that cat of nine tails. The ones that stood by and mocked and made fun of him. And the ones down through the annals of time that have rejected him and blasphemed his name and cursed him. Jesus Christ, out of his tremendous love for them, went to the cross, and he was dying for those people. He was dying for people such as this preacher and people such as you. That's how much God's love is. It's incomprehensible. He goes far deeper than we can ever imagine. It's far higher than we could ever reach. It's far broader than we could ever reach out and touch. And he went there to that cross to do that one job for us. Not only to redeem us of our sins, but to completely atone us from our sins. That our sins would be completely and totally wiped out. Every indictment, every sin that was ever levied against us, the Lord Jesus Christ nailed it to the cross. All sins. 613 laws that man has broken every one of those indictments was nailed to the cross and you and I have been set free the Lord Jesus Christ had to do more than just die for our sins he rose again and in his resurrection he has not only provided redemption but now he's provided justification for our sins. For he has ascended into heaven to present us through what he has done so that we can be justified in the sight of God. So God, because of Jesus Christ, sees us just as though we have never sinned. In that justification, he sees us as righteous. For he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. You see, without the holiness and the righteousness of God, no man can see God. But Jesus Christ has provided that for us. And to assure us that our salvation is secure from the beginning to the end, the Lord Jesus Christ has entered into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God as our faithful High Priest, not only to intercede on our behalf, but to provide for us an eternal sanctification so that we will always be viewed as saints. You are a saint, I'm a saint. Not because of our (laughs) righteousness, but because of His righteousness, we have been set apart unto the righteousness of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, to assure us, uh, that our salvation is secure is always there standing before the Heavenly Father as the propitiation for our sins. The one who constantly without ceasing atones your sins and my sins. Past, present, and future. So in this life he would have us to live a righteous life. We that are able to relate with God are no longer the walk in the flesh but we're to walk in the spirit. We're to allow the Spirit of God to control our lives. We are to be sensitive to the promptings of God's Spirit. God has opened our minds and our hearts to the Word of God. So we have a responsibility now to live by the Word of God, to make sure that the Word of God is a part of our daily diet. Jesus Christ made it very clear, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. It is important that we live that life as we go through this life. And as we go through this life, God is going to test our faith, and he's going to test our faith with trials. And while he's testing your faith for trials, the devil's going to come along and he's going to try to tempt you in every way while you're going through those trials to turn your back on God. And while you're being tested by God and while you're being tempted by the devil, you have an audience. You have a world of people that are watching you. And what you do with your life is so important because those people that are watching you, in the day of God's visitation upon them, they will either come to the Lord because of your life or they will reject the Lord because of your life. And you will become a stumbling block rather than a stepping stone. It's so important that we understand and realize how valuable Our walk with God before a lost world is. And so tonight uh, we want to look at a few thoughts from Peter. Notice in verse number 6 through verse number 7. He talks about the trials of your faith. That it will not be a maybe. It will be a certainty. We're all going to go through trials. He says in verse number 6 through verse number 7, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor of and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you understand what that means. But what that means is when our life is all through and we are now standing before God. And there are a host of saints that were saved because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was reflected through your life. There's going to be a testimony and service and they're going to praise God for your faithfulness as they watched you and they saw what you went through and how that your life was a shining light. It was not a light that had veiled the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it illuminated the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there will be praise given in heaven because of your faithfulness unto God. You need to understand how important your life is to a lost world. We must understand that every one of us, when we go through trials and we go through testings, there's a purpose for that. We must understand, as Timothy told us in Second or Paul, excuse me, (laughs) In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not perhaps, it's not maybe, but it is a certainty. You're going to go through times of trials. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're going to be despised. The devil is going to do everything that he can to trip you up to do everything that he can to cause your hands to hang down and your heart to become weary and to faint and to turn your back and to walk away from God. We need to understand, according to Isaiah 43 and verse number 2, that God has made us a promise that we'll just stay faithful while we go through those trials that he's going to help you through those trials, that he will not leave you nor forsake you. In Isaiah 43 and verse number 2, we read that when thou passest, not if thou pass, but when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. He says, And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For the same Lord that watched over Israel will also watch over you. It's important that we realize and we understand that God's purpose for those trials and those tribulations that He allows us to go through is that we might be conformed unto the image of God's dear Son so that others may see Christ reflecting through your life. I want you to notice over in the book of Romans chapter 8, In Romans chapter 8, we read according to verse number 28, and this is something that Christians ought to know. When you go through a trial, you don't need to ask the question, why am I going through this trial? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? You shouldn't be asking those questions. You should know why. As if we had time, we'd go back and look at Romans chapter 5, that We understand uh, that tribulation worketh patience, and patience worketh experience, and experience worketh hope, and hope is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost to where we know we have a relationship with God. We know God is not a Heavenly Father that allows us to go through something and does not explain to us why. He will explain to you the purpose if you're walking with him you will know what that purpose is and by the way he tells us what that purpose is we see it in verse number 30 or verse number 29 for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son or excuse me to the image of his son you see god has a plan for every one of our lives And that plan for your life and the trials and whatever you are going through has a purpose, and the purpose is right there in verse number 29, that you would be conformed unto the image of his Son. You see, Jesus Christ was obedient. Jesus Christ was humble. Jesus Christ never complained. Jesus Christ just simply said, Not my will, but thy will be done. And God, through his grace that he has heaped upon us, gives to us that same ability to accept whatever God brings in our life and to give us the understanding that whatever it is, the purpose is that we would be conformed to the image of his son so that others might see Christ through us so that our lives might reflect the beauty and the love of God. What a wonderful testimony it is when people see you going through trials and heartaches and they see Christ in you. How wonderful that is. How wonderful it is when our lips praise Him regardless of what we go through. When we're constantly thanking the Lord. And by the way, that is the will of God. And everything to give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, the lost are watching how you deal with the trials that you are going through. I want you to notice over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 11 and 12. There he writes, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Well, excuse me, let's back up for a moment. When he says, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, what is he speaking of? We need to understand that this world is not our home. He's beseeching us as citizens of heaven. He's beseeching us as sojourners that are passing through this world. He's beseeching us as those who understand that they are nothing more than travelers journeying through this life on their way to their heavenly home. And while they journey through this life on their way to a heavenly home, they're ambassadors for Christ. They want to speak of His kingdom. They want to speak of their king. They want to speak of His great love. And they want to do as much as they can possibly do in bringing those that are citizens of this world into the glorious kingdom of God and making them citizens of heaven by bringing to them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing with them the message that comes from the kingdom of heaven. And so as pilgrims and strangers, he beseeches us In other words, he pleads with us, he begs with us that we would not allow fleshly lust. We would not allow the things of this world to trip us up. So often Christians, while they're going through problems and while they're going through heartaches, they they relate to substance abuse. Well, i got to drink a little bit just to get through this trial. And now the world is watching. And they're seeing how you are dealing with those trials. He says, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against a soul. Having your conversation. In other words, the way you live your life, you're the manner of your lifestyle. Having that lifestyle honest among the Gentiles, among the heathen, Among the lost that are watching you, that whereas they may speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they have beheld, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now the question is, what is meant by the day of visitation? Well, there's all kinds of ideas out there. There are some that believe the day of visitation is the day of judgment. When we stand before God and those that were watching us, that were lost, watched our lives and witnessed how we lived our lives, And witness how we dealt with the trials and the heartaches and the sorrows that we have gone through in this life. And so because we were faithful to be followers of Christ and to walk in his steps, they were able to see Christ through us. And because of our faithfulness to serve God in God's day of visitation, they also come to know Jesus Christ. And so in that day, they are there standing before God. They're thanking Jesus Christ for what he has done, and they're praising the Lord for the faithful servants that stayed true to his word. That at one time they thought they were evil people, bad people, but the longer they watched them, the more they realized these are people that love God. These are people that have something that I do not have. And in that day, when we have our visitation with God, they are standing before God and they are praising the Lord because of your faithfulness to Him. That's one thought. There's another thought. There's the thought that those that go through trials and heartaches, as they watch you go through those trials and heartaches, they also are now going through those same trials and heartaches. But they saw you faithfully holding out. They saw you faithfully standing for the Lord. They saw that you had the tenacity, that you had the the godliness, that you had the hope and the assurance not to back down not to cave in, and somehow that spoke to their hearts, and uh, through your life, there was a visitation of God that brought them to the Lord. There are those that believe that perhaps it might be completely, totally different. It might be when the Holy Spirit visits upon the lost as the wind bloweth. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you must be born from above. And Jesus said to Nicodemus in verse number 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. For the wind, he says, bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it go, so everyone that is born of the Spirit. In the day of visitation, when the Spirit of God begins to prompt, and the Spirit of God begins to knock, and the Spirit of God begins to work in the heart of the unbeliever, will your life be a stepping stone that will bring them closer to the Lord? Or will there be something in the... Their mind and in their heart that will give a foul taste, uh, and they think, Well, I don't know that I want to be a part of that kind of Christianity, and they turn their back on God because of you. You know, to be quite honest, there are all different types of views on that day of visitation, is, but I believe. In the context of what we're reading, is talking about you and your life and how your life affects others when it comes time for that person to be saved. Are you following in the steps of Jesus? Are you walking in the steps of Jesus? Remember, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21, he says, For even hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that we should what? Follow his steps. When we follow his steps, there are others that are watching. Let me just again say in closing, as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 25, that we live our lives with the understanding that we have an overseer. You see, I am just simply your under-shepherd. But you have a chief shepherd. You have someone that's a greater bishop than Bishop Nolan. You have a bishop whose name is Jesus Christ. And uh, he's always watching you. He's always there for you. We read in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 25, "...for you were as sheep going astray..." but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't give up on his children. There are times that we may get discouraged. There are times that we may stumble. There are times that we may just simply walk away from God. But he's always there begging us to come come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. He is the chief shepherd. He is the bishop of your soul. There may be some things going on in your life right now that are causing you to drift away. You know, it's interesting. When we begin to drift, sometimes we drift much farther than we realize. I remember years ago being at one of our Christian camps as my wife and I were running that camp, and I was the director of the camp, we took a group of young people and we got on inner tubes and we were just kind of drifting down the river with no sandals, no shoes, not realizing that it was summertime in the northwest, it's about 95 degrees, and not realizing how hot the sand was and the dirt. <laughs> and when we were through drifting, we didn't realize, but we drifted something like two miles away from camp. We had to walk all the way back barefooted because it's hard for those inner tubes to go upstream. (laughs) Sometimes you drift much further than you realize. You've gone astray, but the chief shepherd, the bishop of your soul, is standing there bringing you back. All you need to do is just reach out, and he will pull you back. It's so important that we understand that not only we be pulled back to benefit our walk with the Lord, but if we have a genuine love for others, we not only do it for ourselves, we do it for others. I just want to say very quickly in closing, there was a time that I had drifted for about three years my life was not fruitful i was not reaching anyone i was a stumbling block and others were stumbling into hell because of me and i sadly must admit i'm sure that there's going to be some that'll end up in hell because of those three years of drifting from god but once god brought me back i realized i got a lot of time to make up on and i want to give that time to the lord I want my life from this point forward to count for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to reach others with the Lord Jesus Christ living his life through me with every head bowed.